welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I am Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Hello and welcome back. We are doing an intense one today, Amanda. We're coming off of a, yeah. a book of many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening, you've ended up in the perfect place because this episode will be a book recommendation for the novel Home Going by Yah Jesse. Last name, we should probably spell the last name for that one. Why not, yeah. right? It's uh, G-Y-A-S-I. So again, novel is Home Going. Book recommendation episodes like this one are when we're going to try and persuade you to read the book, so we hope you haven't read it yet. We're going to try and convince you to read it with us over the course of the next two weeks, so hopefully we make a persuasive case today. We are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on social media at Instagram and Facebook under that name, just all one word, the Lightly Literary Podcast, so follow us there. We keep the schedule updated and post promotions for the books we're doing and reminders and everything. Um... We also, I think, are up on every podcast platform, so like and subscribe and follow and <laughs> whatever one you choose to use, um, including the website, if you somehow find it. Yeah, um, <laughs> give us a follow, tell your friends and family, all that good stuff. Amanda, you chose this book, is that right? I did. Okay, so again, we're going to be recommending this book, trying to persuade you, dear listeners, to read it with us. Uh, the prompt I gave you to pick from was people... An author who was under the age of 30 when they wrote or published the book, which I think this yeah. is both, wrote and published? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. she was like 20, 28, 29 or something like that. Gotcha. Well, why'd you pick it? Just, um, so I was looking up like new new authors, newer authors who were younger when they uh, published, and her name popped up, and I was reading about this novel, and um, it was saying that it was... Um, written about the Gold Coast and I was like oh okay so she's from uh, she was born in Ghana she was raised mostly in America but I was like you know I haven't read Mm -hmm. um, anything by an author from Ghana and I don't know much about the country so I was like really interested by that and also just reading um, reading up on it it was talking about too like um, that it was uh, generational as well and I was like oh that's going to be really interesting so I just thought that it would be a really interesting read and, and that I was hoping that I would learn quite a bit. In the yeah. Process. Yeah. Do you think you did learn quite a bit? I, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second in the, the segments, but I would agree to that. Yeah. A solid pick and a, you know, contemporary author. So that's exciting. Somebody yeah. whose career we can track <laughs> if we so choose. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. Just to set up the novel quick, Amanda, I'm going to do a brief reading from the cover, uh, just for you, the listener, to understand what the book is about, and nobody does it better than the cover of the book itself. (laughs) Publishers do it the best. So anyway, um, this is from the back cover of this book, so this is what Homegoing is about. Ghana, 18th century. Two half-sisters are born into different villages, each unaware of the other. One will marry an Englishman and lead a life of comfort in the palatial rooms of the Cape Coast Castle. The other will be captured in a raid on her village, imprisoned in the very same castle, and sold into slavery. Homegoing follows the parallel paths of these sisters and their descendants through eight generations, and then it just lists the generations from there. So that's the sense of the scope and kind of the structure of the of the story. Let's jump into the segments then, try and persuade some people. We're going to start with rapid-fire recommendations, where each of us f- fills in the prompt, you should read this book if, in a quick way. So these will be pretty quick-moving, and we'll try and give you a summary of what to expect in the book. Amanda, I think you should read this book if you want to learn about the history of slavery. Yeah, that is... Definitely one of the major themes in this book. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, I said you should read this book if you'd like to read about the history of Ghana. Yeah, it's and it's pretty light with its history. Like I don't, it jumps around in time so much that it never can feel heavy-handed or super detailed about anything. But yes, I think that's a fair thing to say. And then also just to be accurate in our own academic way, it it is technically a Shanti in land or the kingdom of Ashanti in most of it, right? right. I mean, did they ever yeah. say the words Ghana ever? <laughs> no. I don't think they do. They keep calling it the Gold Coast. I don't even think yeah. that Marjorie and, and Mark is at the end. I don't think so. That. Yeah, no, totally. So anyway, just point of edification. I think you should read this book if you like short story collections, question mark. <laughs> should I have a question to that? That's great because that was also one of mine is if you like novels that read more like short stories. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, let's not even expand on it because that the structure yeah. is like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll do another one then. You should read this book if you are hesitant to read about brutal or tough topics. Yeah. She does a, a pretty good job of making sure that you're not grossed out by anything a lot like um, Colson Whitehead mm-hmm. um, when we were reading his works. Um, I said, if if othering, the idea of othering is an interesting theme to you. We mentioned this too, coming off the book club recordings, but there it, there's just a lot of examples of it and it's across many different lines of othering too. So it's a, yeah, that's a good motif or idea to know about going into the book. So that can help. I think you should read this book if you can remember character names well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. There's a lot of characters. <laughs> Yeah, intergenerational story, so. (laughs) That's good. Um, I said, uh, you should read this book if you believe that pain, that traumas can be passed down. Yeah, I won't even say much or banter about that because that's like probably the thematic core of the whole thing. So that's well said for sure. I think you should read this book if you skipped or slept through your African-American literature course in college. Yep. And why would you? Uh, but, well, sure. I mean, but, college yeah. students do all manner of behaviors that we that you could ask that about. Yeah. So yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should read this book if you like strong female characters. Yeah, I came away remembering them or thinking more about them than the male ones. Though there, there's point of views of both, to be sure, yeah. or to, uh, to be fair. So, yeah. but yeah, I I definitely latched onto a couple of those storylines or moments, chapters, we should say, more than the other ones. So interesting things about motherhood, too, in here, too. Womanhood, motherhood, I think that's one of the main... Womanhood was your word. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, in part one, so a little preview. Okay, well, those are our rapid-fire recommendations. Let's do some more detailed work here to try and recommend this book. Let's talk reading similes. We're now going to do a simile for reading the book, what reading is like. I'll start with mine because I think it's going to sound strange or something or like weirdly harsh, but I'll try and dampen it or lessen the <laughs> lessen the critical nature of it. Anyway, I said that reading this is like watching a person's vacation slideshow. So not, crucially not yours, which immediately I know that sounds strange because if listeners don't know this, I am a white man and this was written by a black woman. So I don't want it to sound like I'm like, oh, I can't get invested because it's not my story. That's not at all what this simile means. So let me unpack it. Like when you look at other people's vacations, right? Something objectively fun, a good experience, memorable. And like you can be compelled by that too, but you're always going to be a little distance from it. There's always that hint of like briefness or shallowness about that. Like trying to get the secondhand excitement going basically like it's pleasant to it's like objectively nice because you're like oh that looks fun or what a picture you know and how nice but it doesn't 
it doesn't evoke your own nostalgia, right? Or it doesn't have that power. So all of that is to say, I felt that way about kind of the emotional truths, the storytelling choices in this book. It it was like nice in, in its construction. It's, it's brutal in its topics, to be clear. But yeah. it was kind of like pleasantly written. It was all good. But I don't, I don't ever felt like it shook me or, you know, gripped me or something. So it's, that's how I mean that simile to, to go, just to be clear. That's, yeah, that makes, it's pretty similar, actually, to my simile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hey Yeah. <laughs> I said, Fun to say. Reading this is like looking through the Viewmaster, which is the toy with, like, mm-hmm. you held it up to your eyes, and it had, like, the round cardboard uh, pictures. And you could just click on the side. It was like red, right? And you could click the, yeah, the slide oh yeah. on this and it would like show you the different pictures. Yep. So we both went with visuals here. Hmm. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I chose that because there's usually one theme with lots of different pictures. So, you know, you'll have like a spring theme or there's a space theme or something like that, right? So each cardboard collection has a theme. Um, there are some that are more captivating than others, but overall it's a fun and a beautiful experience. Yeah. The different images being available is pretty fitting direct comparison wise. (laughs) You didn't go as weird as mine did. So thank you as always (laughs) for grounding us, (laughs) but that, because that literally does make sense. I didn't even think about when I was thinking like vacation slideshow, I literally didn't even think about it that way. Like one thing at a time kind of chunked out. I literally just meant the emotional, like mental feeling of being second party to it's like you're so close to feeling really strongly but you don't (laughs) i mean so it's like a secondhand strength or of feeling or something so anyway okay it's a good simile let's jump into our scripted pitches we got a couple segments left of of persuasion here each of us has prepared a piece of writing usually around 200 words mine over amanda's under usually so thanks again amanda (laughs) um (laughs) sticking to the prompt anyway um we're gonna read this piece of writing that we prepared again just trying to persuade you to read it with us i will go first since mine's longer i guess i'll jump in i also feel like i make you go first too so (laughs) anyway Homegoing is an introductory 101 level African American literature course that is distilled into novel form. That is meant as both a compliment and a critique, I assure you, so take it as you will. It's a book with really grand ambitions. It does successfully track generational trauma that resulted from slavery. That's kind of the original sin, to put it that way, in um, the Ashanti Kingdom, now Ghana, or the Gold Coast. So it, it encompasses then so much human history, I think 300 years and misery, that you get dizzy just summarizing or listing topics. Like, you could, <laughs> there's just so much to say. It's, there's enslavement, there's tribal wars and conflicts, there's colonialism, patriarchy, plantations and slavery, prison labor, heroin addiction. Like, I will just pause because there's just so many topics in this book. So despite all of that, and perhaps even due in part to it, um, it has a one character per chapter structure. It never never feels gratuitous or brutal. Like, it, every the topics are intense, but the writing is brisk and effective, and largely, I'd say, like, it delivers the thesis to its conclusion. So the, the whole idea of it going history spanning, generation spanning, it works. I just don't know if it was particularly intense. If I can criticize the book, it is simply for being only good. <laughs> it, it may be 
most firmly the most firmly decidedly like good book we've encountered or i've encountered in a long time like we've read some truly phenomenal literature some flawed but enticing writing that's bold and kind of weird but maybe not great and some bland stuff too some aimless kind of drivel not much of that though but i this book isn't any of that it's just solidly good (laughs) it never gripped me i i it really inspired me to like pick a page or reread things but I also never stopped reading or like wanted to put it down or avoid it or something. So it, it's cohesive. It has a vision of this history and interesting moments. I just don't think there's anything to elevate it to excellence or something, but that's fine. It's an easy recommendation if the subject matter interests you at all. And again, it that 101 level of thinking of just, it's going to give you a little bit of everything. And that is, I think for some people, they'll be intrigued to read the history of slavery in that way. So that's my pitch. I think the 101 level African-American literature course in novel form is the perfect description for this book. Um, and I think that the there's a lot of brutal elements to it, but you, you did a great job with saying that even though there are brutal elements, the, the writing does not exploit that and that mm-hmm. there's a yeah. lot of, this is more of an academic endeavor in a lot of ways as a reader um, rather than an emotional journey in a lot of ways because of the way that it is written. It does kind of feel that way, huh? Yeah, it yeah. does. And for your scripted pitch, Amanda, take it away. Yep. Um, Homegoing is marketed as a novel, but it reads more like a short story collection connected by motifs and themes in one common ancestral character. This format allows for a larger, longer scope, providing some interesting insights into generational and cross-cultural scars. This is the debut novel of Jesse, and as a debut novel, it's great in a lot of ways. There's some wonderful character development, meaningful discussions of the failings of government, culture, and belief systems, and some beautiful descriptions of nature and emotions. Likewise, as a debut novel, there are some areas that could use some polishing. Half of the narratives are weaker than the other in character development and style. That's not to say that this isn't a great read. I've enjoyed it and have learned quite a bit in reading this, and I'm definitely interested in reading more of Jesse's works. This is a meaningful and yet entertaining work that will certainly generate a lot of emotions and thoughts on the themes Jesse explores. Yeah, a good one to have a book club for, too, because when you look back at it, and you try and put all the puzzle pieces together, I think it becomes almost more complex in retrospect than when you're reading it. Does that make sense? Like it reads kind of simply, but then you think back to it and you're like, ah, there were like 10 ideas bouncing around there in a, (laughs) you know, complicated fashion. Or when you look at the different intersections of the different characters. So Mm -hmm. do you think then, because I know you mentioned this up top too, what do you think the thing about Ghana or the Gold Coast you'll remember is then from this book? The thing that I learned the most? Or, or, or like, just, I don't know, think in, in 10 years, you know, you see this cover somewhere, what will you remember that it taught you or showed you? Um, I guess um, it would make me think of um, the castle as like the biggest image that comes to mind when I think of it, mm-hmm. um, which is the, the British fort. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's this like giant thing that sits on the coast and is like domineering and it's a very very telling image for something that's like a beautiful coastline and and then there's this thing that's like marring it so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it is a symbolic very symbolically important and uh, not to spoil anything because our intention on these wrecks is never to spoil anything of course (laughs) but it has there's some interesting language in the final section about it 
we didn't really dig yeah. into that or pick at that, but that struck me as there was some intentional word choice there at the end. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good scripted pitch. Any other thoughts on that or nope. things to unpack? Okay. We'll move into our last segment now, which is the quote for clarification. Obviously, if we're going to persuade you to read this with us or join us for the journey, we figured we'd actually give a quote and read a little bit from the book. Nothing too lengthy, but just to give you a sense of the style, the ideas happening, what the, what the author offers up. I will again go first. I'll take it on today. Not sure why I'm going first, but hey, that's that's Do the it. vibe. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> that's the energy we're riding today. Um, I'm picking one from a little later. Again, not like major spoilers in any of these, but I chose a quote from H's chapter. H is a character that I thought was one of the better realized ones, and it's just about sort of his life. Um, it says... H shoveled his last thousand pounds of coal as a convict in 1889. He had been working in Roxlow for almost all of his incarceration, and his hard work and skill had shaved a year off his sentence. The day the elevator shaft took him up in the, <clears throat> into the light and the prison warden unshackled his feet, H looked straight up at the sun, storing up the rays just in case some cruel trick sent him back down into the city underground. He didn't stop staring until the sun turned um, into a dozen yellow spots in his eyes. He thought about going back home, but realized that he didn't know where home was. There was nothing left for him of the old plantations he'd worked, and he had no family to speak of. The first night of his second freedom, he walked as far as he could, walked until there was no mine in sight, no smell of coal clinging to his nostrils. He entered the first bar he saw that contained black people, and with the little money he had, he ordered a drink. And then, later, he goes back to working in the mines again, which is itself its own little commentary. A couple things about the quote, why I chose it. Firstly, I think it does show the simple style. Again, it has little moments, no smell of cold clinging to his nostrils. There's little flares, but it really is expository writing a lot of it in a pretty functional but not going to ruffle you sort of way. It doesn't, I don't know, There's. I wouldn't say coming out of this that it would be difficult for me to do a full... Um, definitive analytical statement of like this is jesse's style (laughs) and so i think that quote showed it like it's interesting but it's not gonna you know shake you or anything um storing the rays like that's a nice little turn of phrase but anyway and also i think it just shows some of the themes too that he's a little bit lost or adrift i know you mentioned othering is a key idea Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of these characters are just trying to find some kind of way to survive the world or connect to it or something. And for some, it is family, and there's the generational storytelling, too. For him, it ends up becoming about family. I will say that most chapters will, for the obvious storytelling purposes, come down to family connections, how you decide to have a family or or how you can, you know, impact the world through that. So a little bit, a little hints of that, too, his kind of lost nature. Yeah, that's great. And and I had forgotten, like, with with H's character too, some of his descriptions are actually really great, um, and and his characterization is really fleshed out too. It is, yeah. I, I he's a quiet character compared to some of the other ones, just literally. And yeah, I just really enjoyed his sections. So, and for your quote, Amanda, what do you what are you offering up here? I'm gonna read the very first paragraph um, of the book. Please. The night Effia. Ocher was born into the musky heat of Fonteland. A, ra- a fire raged through the woods just outside her father's compound. It moved quickly, tearing a path for days. It lived off the air. It slept in caves and hidden trees. It burned up and through, unconcerned with what wreckage it left behind until it reached an Asante village. There, it disappeared, becoming one with the night. Mm. Um, 
so this is the very first paragraph and it introduces a major motif which is fire um, yes and also the idea of scarring um and of um the the idea of this this trauma that not only affects the land but we find that it also affects future generations um and the language here is really telling in that um jesse is really good i find with um nature descriptions especially when she uses personification with describing nature she does a really great job with that Mm. um she often compares nature to a living thing something that is a part of the culture and the people especially um for the people on the um the gold coast there yeah right so some of that language really shines in those in those narratives yeah and it can kind of take its retribution too to phrase it one way or something it's yeah not totally menacing but yeah, it's, you're right, living, breathing response to the people who live there. So, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, any other thoughts on your quote? I think, it, yeah, really well chosen. And to get the motif of fire in early, that does matter. <laughs> and it yeah, comes it up uh, <laughs> in some significant ways in the story. So, anyway, good to get it in early. Any other thoughts or final recommendations on this book? Gen- general takeaways from it or just general impressions, thoughts? Nope, I'm good. Okay, excellent. Well, I, yeah, I guess I would just say, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with some summary thought here at the end. A fast and weirdly negative wreck for us, maybe? But I don't know. I also feel like we're always pretty even-handed and fair. It's yeah, just we liked it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not, it's going to do a little bit of everything. It's a breadth, not depth kind of a thing. I think it does yeah. have some deep ideas, maybe, and thematic connections that we dig into. But it overall felt like a quick hitting, like, let's cover a lot and in a little bit of interesting ways and just keeps it moving in that sense. So, yeah, not much to stay with me, perhaps, but but yeah, a solid read. And uh, to me, the subject matter goes a long way. If you just want to read about slavery's impacts or the history of this this is a great little starter and yeah it doesn't overstay its welcome or something so yeah okay if we were not able to persuade you as always we apologize with great sincerity sorry that we couldn't get it done (laughs) Uh, but we do have other books coming up in order so for the next two weeks we'll be posting episodes about homegoing and then after that we have three books coming up in order amanda do you want to set them up yes um we'll be reading they both die at the end by adam silvera and then Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, and then Ghetto Side by Jill Lavoie. A return Ghetto Side is to nonfiction. So yeah. they both die at the end. Novel, Something Wicked This Way Comes, novel, and then some nonfiction. Cool. Yeah. The uh, I also saw you put this note in, so I'm going to say it because you are the diligent one who remembers. Um, if you do decide <laughs> to read Homegoing with us, part one's episode will cover literally part one of the book. <laughs> the book is in two parts, conveniently split in the middle. So respect for that. We should have shouted her yeah. out more for that. We, we love that. <laughs> it makes our splitting incredibly simple. So anyway, we'll be covering part one on the Friday podcast we post or the book club part one. So keep an eye out for that soon. Amanda, any final thoughts or chances to speak on this in, in any way? No, overall, I really enjoyed it. it, it yeah. There are some, I mean, it's, it's her first novel. There's going to be some ups and downs, but I'd say generally an up for us. Yes. And, and I enjoyed yeah. it and I learned a lot. So Honestly, a great, um, this is going to sound weirdly self-promotional or something, but if you, it, like a great pick for a book club, because it's not, it's not super dense or literary or strange. Or, it's just like, 
a great pick for a book club where it's like you read 10 books a year with your friends or something, you know what I mean? Something a little, uh, it's heavy subject matter, but also the writing is approachable. So yeah, yeah, interesting in that way. Alrighty. Well, thanks as always for listening. We are the Lightly Literary Podcast. Again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at that name, all one word. We're up on podcast platforms you can follow and recommend us to whomever. Go out into the streets and shout it from the rooftops, all that. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, we'll see you between the pages.